Hey, buddy, it's not them today, just someone else tomorrow. Well, I'd rather it not be today, okay? Look, we're gonna break your neck so you don't feel a thing. How's that? Wait a minute. I thought rhinos were vegetarians. An excellent point. Shut up. Who says we're gonna eat them after we kill them? Yeah, come on, move it. You know, I don't like animals that kill for pleasure. Save it for a mammal that cares. I'm a mammal that cares. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Pictures Powwow. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Bartek. Hey, Bartek, how are you? Hey, Ryan, how good are you? I'm going pretty well, Bartek. Just sitting here talking, talking to you. That's how I'm going. That's really good, Answer the question. I blah, blah. <laughs> it wasn't a question. I tricked you. Haha, uh-huh, but I still answered it. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, we're here podcasting again, talking about a movie that came recommended. That's the format of Pictures Powwow. Spit and polish likingly, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. Got any fun Polish facts for us today, Bartek? Um, Poland is called Polska in Polish. Okay. Why did that need to be changed for English? Because the English are dirty, dirty scoundrels. Dirty rotten scoundrels? Yeah. I was going to say cowards and then scoundrels, so I kind of said scoundrels, but yeah. Scoundrels? Okay, fair enough. So. And Polish women are called polka, which is like that German music. Of course. I mean, some might say Polish women are filled with music, but I wouldn't know that. Yeah, when uh, they scream and... I don't know, joke. <laughs> when they scream for their rights and the Polish society says no. When they scream, Bartek, dinner's ready and I love you. <laughs> they scream it too, by the way. They don't just <laughs> yell it or say it in a loud tone. They scream it in agonizing pain. <laughs> oh, uh, well. Oh, well, I like that you confirm that. Uh, so, what movie are we discussing this time round, Vartek, and who recommended the film? We are talking about 2002's Ice Age, and I recommended the film. Ice Age, brought to us by what f- animation company? Blue Skies, or is it Blue Sky? I think it's just Blue Sky. Okay, uh, well, we fucked up already. What else have they done? I know that they've done Rio, they've done the Peanuts movie, I think they did one of the Dr. Seuss ones. Okay. In Horton, here's a who. Alright, alright. So they've been really nailing it. They've been ge- And of course, they've done five other Ice Age movies. Yeah, five in total. No, Bartek, I googled, they count the short with Scrat as a film. Okay, that's fair enough. I, 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 I said to my wife, Rachel, I said, there must be five of them. And she says, no, 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 there's six. There's the one with Scrat. And I'm like, isn't that a short? And she goes, yeah, but they still count it as a film. So that it can be a six-film series. Isn't that crazy? I, I didn't know that they were that insistent on it. I, I guess when we make the, the Ice Age timeline, we have to consider that. Yeah, yeah, we have to consider the Scrat. The Scrat. Uh, short or whatever. Yeah. So you chose Ice Age. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Sure. Obviously, for the listening people out there who have not seen the film, you can watch it. It's a very simple story. It's an animated children's movie about a bunch of 
mismatched people getting together for a common goal by the end of it and they form a herd or it's it's about family as Carrie Fisher once said mm-hmm. that's that's what's so strong about it that's what's so powerful about it uh so Bartek let's get into it why did you recommend this film what's your history relationship all that jazz uh so I had a couple of reasons to recommend it um, one of them is that uh, I remember this film being pretty popular when I was a kid at school. I remember I liked it a lot. Uh, a lot of other people really liked it, and even even my my mum and my brother liked it a lot when we watched it. Um, we've actually seen most of that. We haven't seen the fifth one, but we've seen up to the fourth one. Um, and I, I was also thinking to myself, like, oh, what would be like a bit more of an unusual pick for the podcast and I was starting to think back to when we did unappreciated masterpieces and we did films that uh as we said seemingly didn't deserve them or films that like used to be pretty big but now aren't really talked about as much um and even last week when I picked the film you even had a reaction sort of like uh you know why are you picking that one no one's thought about that in forever um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of pick outside the box for my picks. Uh, recently we've been doing a lot of, you know, grown-up kind of films. I thought, oh, mm. why not do like a family film from 2002? That used to be, you know, family film from 2002 used to kind of be our MO for this podcast. No Munez, um, no Munez in the movie. No Munez, no. There are some names in it, but not, not, not Munez. Not Peter um, Sutherland either, we'll get that out of the way straight up. He was not in the film. I thought he was the bad guy, Sabretooth, but he's not even in the movie. In the trivia, that was one of the four people they considered for the role, so you were, you were in the right mindset, I guess. I really thought he, he was the, the, the head of the pack, Sabretooth guy, the one that's like, go get him and go get the baby back. I thought that was Kiefer Sutherland, but it, it isn't. It's just some Croatian guy. Mm. Yeah, Fuck he had a me, little bit of an accent. I didn't know that uh, one of the other ones was Jack Black. Oh, yeah, dude. Did you also note Stephen Root was in the movie? That actor that you <laughs> never recognize his face, but I'm sure when he did several different voices in the movie, you definitely said, hey, it's Stephen Root. Stephen Root was in my childhood, after all. He was in King of the Hill. That was in childhood, right? That was beyond childhood. When did you see King of the Hill? I think I was probably already in high school. Such a shame. Such a shame. I saw it after Main Huna, I'll put it that way. Oh, well, okay. After 2003. All right. (laughs) After 2004 or 5, yeah. Okay, let's settle and say 2001. After 2001, for sure. Oh, so I watched it before Ice Age. There you go. Uh, Well, after (laughs) 2001 can still be after 2002. (laughs) It doesn't have to be before. Uh, okay, so Ice Age, you grew up with this movie, you liked it as a child, as did everyone, I will attest to that, everyone loved this movie, or at least it was a very popular film. I um, I have, of course, grown up with this movie as well, I've seen it numerous times, always on TV, always the teacher's choice to put on for when, you know, you're no longer doing school and they're like, okay, let's watch a movie, kids, and it's either going to be Whale Rider or Ice Age, you know, those are the kind of movies that they would put on, or The Gods Must Be Crazy, that movie too. And this was one of those movies that always just got put on, whether it be by TV or by teachers or your parents or yourself, 
always there, always present, but at some point it just stopped being there. Mm. And you go, why? There was always an Ice Age movie coming out. So why did Ice Age, as the film and the franchise, I guess, kind of stop keeping in touch with the us, the general masses, not just us because we grew up, but even younger people who were, you know, riding off the coattails of us and getting our leftover kids' film franchises. How come the Ice Age movies don't get the the acclaim of, like, a Toy Story or, or um, all those or other Shrek. kind of kids' movie franchises? Mm. I don't know. We'll talk about it. But uh, I've never liked Ice Age. I'm just going to say that now. I've never hated Ice Age. Ice Age was always one of those those kids' films. You know, the ones where they're fine. They're, even as a kid, you just go, oh, they're kind of generic. Mm. Uh, there's a few of them, especially by DreamWorks, that come to mind, like Over the Hedge. Over the Hedge, this, uh, uh, you know... Flushed Away. Flushed Away. There's that one with... Uh, I think Disney did it with with the cows. There was cows. Oh, oh some barnyard thing. Yeah, yeah, one of the right. Yeah, I and think that was like, Nickelodeon. All right, all right. Uh, I'll take your word for I it. I think. Yeah. I'll take your word. I think there's a Disney one with cows on a ranch, but I don't care. The point is, there are just those generic kids movies that exist, and they're not offensive, but they're not anything particularly special. But out of all those, Ice Age is the one that spawned a whole entire franchise of movies, and it was very popular. But for me, I never cared for it. It was always just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, you know, I'll watch it for sure because it's something on. And maybe because I've watched it so many times that it always has just, like, it just doesn't have that charm, I guess. But I've watched all those Toy Story movies millions of times, and they still hit hard when I watch them as an adult. So I don't know. Um, okay, let's let's get into it more. So, what about Ice Age worked for you as a kid? Uh, as a kid, I seem to remember finding it very funny, like all the way through. Um, and it also, you know, it has it has a lot of heart to it throughout the story. That and even later on, uh, Tokyo Godfathers kind of had the same story. There's three Godfathers story of three sort of mismatched people in a similar situation having to look after a baby um, and going through essentially an adventure through, you know, a big landscape to try and get it back to where the baby belongs. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, a, that's... Yeah, good story with, you know, a lot of jokes in it. How do you feel about it now, having watched it as an adult? Yeah, it's it's odd. The, the humour didn't really land for me as strongly... Um, and through most of it, I was kind of thinking like, oh, did I really enjoy this? But I think like after a certain point, I kind of warmed up to it a bit more after the, the ice cave sequence where we got the, the Manny flashback, the, or not the flashback, the stylized explanation of his backstory. Like I completely forgot all about that part. And I think from there, a lot of the heartful moments of the film sort of kept me going. Okay. So... So you didn't find it funny this time, but you found it more um, emotional, I guess. Yeah, in the latter half. 
Yeah, especially in the later stages of the movie when uh, our crew are finally becoming a family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've never, yeah, I just never found it funny. Um, And as an adult, I don't find it funny, but it's never offensively bad. It is just there. I've always never cared for the Dodo sequence. I never cared for the, oh, he's doing the American football in slow motion and he smashes the watermelon because it goes on for so long. Yeah, it did. And as someone who didn't grow up in America, I don't care, (laughs) honestly. And they have a few scenes like that, a few sequences like that, where there's just things that happen that you can recognize is, oh, I understand what they're doing, but you just don't connect or care with it as as much as say some other elements of the movie yeah i agree there is a heart to the movie for sure and that element of finding your finding a family in the most unlikely of places is is very well done in in the film like it is executed nicely i i understand why they have got to the place they have got to by the end of the movie I, i've understood diego's character flip i i totally buy it i understand it i recognize it none of that's done in a necessarily ham-fisted way either you don't get that that big oh you bastard we're gonna split up in the third act kind of thing we don't get that um we could have but we didn't yeah, and at one point it seemed like they were going there, but they were kind of talked out of it pretty quickly. Which is great. The yeah. baby wasn't annoying or a character. That was good. Because mm-hmm. in these movies, you always have that little creature or baby or thing that they have to protect or look after or get to A to B, and they can be a really annoying aspect of these type of movies. Yeah, the, the film didn't like put it on a pedestal and say, this baby is great, you got to love this baby. Yeah, or or they didn't be like, oh, look how cute it is, blah. It's kind of like, oh, it's there. They did some of it, but it was really understated, like when it hugged its like place where it used to sleep and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so none of that was bad. I think all the voice acting's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stands up. Like, uh, John Leguizamo's great as Sid. He brings something to the role that no one else would have brought to the role. Um, Not just the vocal choice, but just the performance itself. John Leguizamo brings something to that role because Sid is a very unlikable character, especially as an adult. He is selfish, he is annoying, but Leguizamo brings some sort of charm or depth or humanity or comedic timing that stops him from being completely unlikable, completely annoying. Like, I didn't find myself in absolute hatred of Sid and I wanted him to go away. I I found him annoying because the film wanted him to be annoying, if you catch my drift. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I feel like, yeah, these kind of films tend to have characters like that, but this film gave the annoying factor a purpose. And it's not like they stripped it away at the end, because usually if you have a character like this who's dumb and annoying their growth as a character by the end kind of puts them in a more mature headspace or whatever. And he does have that, but he's still stupid and annoying in the punching bag at the end of the movie. Mm. Which I appreciate, because it also, when that happens in movies, especially kids' ones, they feel very phony. Or feel very, oh, the character arc, I see, I see it. But in this... 
he's kind of the same douchey, sleazy, cowardly guy, but he's gained some some fiber of morals and and uh, care along the way. But uh, I, you know, I enjoyed that. The performances are great. How did you feel about the performances? Yeah, that actually really surprised me. I'd forgotten a lot about these characters' nuances, like the fact that Sid was a purposely annoying character um, for the for the sake of the film. Uh, I read in the trivia that a lot of the film's dialogue uh, with the three main characters was improvised as a sort of uh, incentive for the animators to work around the performances rather than having the performances match the animators, which I thought that that was really interesting, and it really gave the characters uh, a good sense of flow for their conversations. It felt like they were actually, you know, the voices were in the same room together rather than, you know, being done one at a time. I agree, I agree. I found their back and forths very, uh, very nice, very fun, never truly went over the line into being offensive or, or obnoxious or saccharine and sweet. There was the right amount of everything with their interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? So, so who was your favorite character as a kid and who's your favorite now? Uh, do I even remember who my favorite was as a kid? It might have been Sid, but now it's definitely Manny. Mm-hmm. What about what about Manny? Because we haven't talked about him, but what about Manny? Really since I haven't, him up there. Yeah, since I haven't really seen this film for a long time, and I've probably seen all the sequels since I've last seen this first film, I kind of have that sense in my head of like what Manny becomes in the later films, you know, like Family Man, things like that. Um, so when I when I put on this film and I read in the synopsis that, like, you know, it's about a loner mammoth with a tragic past, that's that's what it said, um, I kind of forgot his characterization in this film, and, like, you can see it right from the beginning where he's going against the herd, he, you know, snaps back against that one guy that talks to him, but then he sees that he has a family and he kind of, like, brushes it off a bit. Um, I'd completely forgotten that he had a family in the past that were killed, um... And so when we had that sequence where he looked at the cave painting and you had that uh, alternative animation thing with little dialogue showing what happened, like that's, again, that's really where uh, the turning point for me was for my enjoyment of the film this time around. Um, and yeah, even seeing him interact with Sid before that point, we just talked about it, um, you could really get a sense of like, he is annoyed, but he is still like a little bit amused by him. Mm. Uh, he, he does kind of enjoy having him as a punching bag. So there was just a lot of, you know, elements to his character that made him stick out more so for me this time round. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I've always found Manny to be my favourite. Uh, he's consistently stayed that the entire time. I like Ray Romano. I enjoyed Everybody Loves Raymond as a show growing up. It's not one of my favourites, but I enjoyed it. And... He has a great voice for animation, and he is the perfect casting choice for this character. You wouldn't think it, but he actually does suit the character very well. I, I've i always enjoyed Manny's dry sense of comedy. He is uh, a character with nuance and depth, and I've always enjoyed that about him. And I also agree, he's, his emotional struggle throughout the movie is very touching and very relatable. 
because Sid, he's got like, oh, abandonment things, but they never really delve deep into that, and they kind of play it off as comedy. And then Diego's whole thing is is not as fleshed out in that way. Like, you don't actually care about Diego betraying his family, like his pack or whatever. You only care because you like the characters of Manny and Sid and Baby and whatnot, but you don't actually care too strongly, at least I didn't, about how Diego has to overcome that issue as an individual. True. His his uh his positive aspect to that is that you actually get to see it happen in the film. It's like it's part of the story, I guess. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with Manny, his journey is like accepting others. And that's what we get at the end, is he's accepted them all and he's kind of embraced them all as people and as a family, as a herd, which he wasn't gonna do at the beginning. Uh, Manny's great. Ray Romano's a great actor. Um, I know you didn't grow up with Everybody Loves Raymond, but, uh, Ray Romano's just been doing weird roles over the last few years, like turning up in Scorsese projects, and... Yeah, I noticed. He's a good actor, man. He can act. The guy can, you know, he has limited range, but he can, you know, he can do it. He can do it. And, uh, something like this, it really does show you that this guy had a dramatic side, even though this is a silly little kids animated movie from 2002. Yeah, it's kind of, it's not that surprising that Ray Romano can do dramas, because here he is doing it in this as a voice. And the most critiqued thing about Ray Romano is his Muppet-sounding voice. And yet... Here he is in this movie, and it's the strength of the movie is Ray Romano's performance, at least for myself. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I think I remember reading a trivia point them about the people who casted him saying like, "Oh, he's perfect. He's got this very elephant-like voice." He does. He does. He does. I, uh, it's a re- yeah, really nailed it. I love <laughs> his hair. I love how they quaffed Manny's hair to kind of look like Ray Romano's hair <laughs> in real life at that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just very amusing to me. Um, what, uh, uh, okay, one of the things that I found very weird about the movie, uh, and I'll just say this now, I haven't seen any of the other Ice Age movies, I've only seen this one, mm-hmm. so I can't speak about the other stuff you said about Manny, so for me, this is Manny, I don't know what he turns into, I don't know how his character changes or flips, or I don't even know, like what happens with the other characters and how they change or, or go or along the story. Like, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about that a bit later. But one of the things that I found very odd in this movie is how empty it feels, like the world and stuff. And that is by design after a point. But when you think about it, there's very few characters. And then you look at the cast, and the cast is actually quite small. And you have some actors doing multiple voices. And they're not voice actors that do that. You know, these are actors like Stephen Root and Jack Black and several others that are, you know, your regular type of actors, not like your regular voice actors who usually in a voice project will do 14 different roles. Mm-hmm. I found that kind of confronting at the start. Um, because when you're thinking of these big animated kids movies that are like, oh, look at this world, you're thinking, oh, there's going to be these exuberant characters, but really it's our main sect of characters, and they're the ones, and then every now and then you'll bump into the rhinos, I mean, literally, they're in the movie twice, mm-hmm. and the the saber-toothed tigers are, like, barely there too, and I found that a little bit, uh, like, weird to begin with, but it kind of grew on me, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, now that you mention that, it is true. I mean, obviously, early on, 
the film starts with the whole pack of animals, really long line of animals going towards hibernation. And I guess the film takes place in the great landscapes where they've left. So, mm. yeah. So like you said, it makes more sense going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, But it is just that thing of, with a lot of these animated kids' movies, like your Toy Stories or your Monsters, Inc., and all of that, where you have this extravagant idea of this, like, fantastical landscape of, like, ooh, what if toys came alive? Or, ooh, a world of monsters. Or, ooh, a world yeah, of, the, you know, prehistoric yeah. animals. There's the scene where they run into this kooky character, then the scene where they run into that kooky character, and then this character, who was a bit of an antagonist for a few minutes, but then they went on to this character. Yeah, yeah, and it's not as prevalent. It's not really here in this movie, and uh, that's okay. But it is one of those things to acclimatise to, because that's not the norm. Yeah. I guess Tokyo Godfathers did it a bit more. But Tokyo Godfathers isn't an animated children's film in the way that this is. Yeah, that's true. It's a Japanese movie, and I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a kid's movie. Mm. Um, but... I just meant more in the sense of, like, the based on, like, the same original property, I guess, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh... Was there any particular, other than the, the Manny flashbacky type sequence, or was there any particular sequences or scenes that really stood out to you as great? Um, I, I guess the final scene where they return the baby to the, the father, um, mm. again, because they, there are points in this film where they just kind of don't use any dialogue at all, um, for an early, earlier like CGI, completely CGI film, I felt like the 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 art and animation conveying all the emotions was done well in that scene. Especially since also the 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 human designs are a bit more dated than a lot of other things in this film. Well, they are Neanderthals, so yeah, they're made to look ugly. But uh, yeah, I agree. I. That scene was good, and you're right, the film uses silence and visual storytelling in a way that uh, you may not give credit to. When you think Ice Age, when people think Ice Age, there is, like I did, there there is this level of uh, Ice Age, that silly movie where John Leguizamo, like, does a fart or something, like, which he doesn't even do. Uh, but, like, you know, you think of it kind of a bit lower brow, but the movie does hit emotional points and uses the animation to tell the story and not just dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Like, one of the more emotional sequences for me is when they get the baby and the mother's in the water and they, you know, we focus on the baby and then we come back and she's gone and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, she's dead. Okay. And it's just like... Yeah, I've, I've forgotten that scene. Yeah, and it's really, like impactful in a way that you wouldn't expect from this film and uh i've always been like it's always hit me that scene in some way it's always left me with some kind of emotional reaction that you know we don't see her body we don't see her again she's just you know we understand oh she's gone yeah even in the big big wide shot yeah it's uh it's a great moment i did enjoy the ice cabin scene of them sliding about and Sid separating and all of that was actually very fun. I mm. found it very thrilling. I found myself laughing at some of the visual gags that the animators were putting in. It was a very fun little roller coaster sequence. 
Yeah, I've always really liked that scene. And again, it was something I just kind of forgot about. And when I watched it again, it just brought me right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also enjoy the rhinos, uh, their whole sequence at the beginning, like their first, you know, the encounter scene with them and, uh, you, you know, how Sid ruins that stuff for them and just how angry they are. And, Hey, I thought you guys were vegetarian. No, I <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't mean that we're going to eat them. <laughs> yeah. The film has some references to hunting for food. Yeah. Yeah. It's a quite a brutal film. Like, it's not afraid that to you know imply characters' brutal, brutal deaths or tragic deaths, and it's not afraid to remind you that these are animals that will eat each other, and or murder each other, which is uh, yeah. Sid, cool. Sid even referenced praying mantises. Yes, he did, and uh, that was a, a fun moment. Uh, um. Did you remember this? I was talking to my wife about this, and she did not, but I did. Did you remember how queer-coded the movie was? No, I didn't. So how was it when you saw that this time? (laughs) Or did you see it? I saw it a little bit, like when... I think it was like Diego's first line to Manny and Sid was about how... (laughs) They, they, he saw the baby with them. It's like, oh, so you couldn't have two, one of your own, so you had to adopt. Yeah, and the rhinos are pretty queer coded. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And was it Cedric the Entertainer and Stephen Root, right? Yeah, Stephen Root yeah. again, and Cedric, your favorite. You love Cedric the Entertainer. So, so many, so many returning actors from our previous episodes. Yeah, dude. Mm. Um, yeah, the rhinos, and even um. There were two animal, two two male animals at the very beginning too that were chatting to each other that um had like a tiff squabble or something. I can't remember what it was, but one of these was it animals. Was it the thing? Go on. Was it the first one? Was it the first ones we heard the talking about? Like, why are we calling it the Ice Age? Yeah, yeah. They're like the two. I think there were two males, and they kind of yeah just tiffing at each other, and like one like stormed off, the other was like, oh no, and a very kind of. You know, I could see some queer coding there because it's then again echoed throughout the film. So I found that an interesting choice. I don't know what the purpose of it is, though. Like, what's Mm. the statement? Is it there just for a a comedic jab? Because that's all I can really see it there for. Like, the, the, you know, queer coded rhinos, they're not actually in the movie very much. They're in two sequences. The introduction and the conclusion. They don't even have a third in the mm. middle or something and like what's the like what is the thing there other than it's kind of funny that they're gay yeah, maybe maybe this is uh the <laughs> the unknown holy grail of why can't we just have a you know queer characters in the film and not have it be a big deal mm, mm. it's like star wars where you have a lesbian couple kissing in the background so that they can edit it out for china yeah <laughs> mm. Good luck with Ice Age China. Yeah, you can't cut out their two scenes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just Ice Age is Ice Age. It's fine. It's fine. Um, what about the movie doesn't work for you? Um, well, like I said, the first half. There were a lot of jokes that just, like, didn't land. Like, I completely forgot about the dodo scene. Um, I brought it up at the end of last episode. 
Did you? I swear I brought it up at the end of the last episode, or maybe after we chatted. I can't remember, oh. but you didn't remember the dodo scene? Okay. When I was watching it, it was all coming back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's going to be like a football thing, right? And yeah. Um, yeah, that scene, it was a long scene. I could see the jokes, but they just weren't working for me, I guess. Mm, mm, mm. So for you, the weakness of the movie is it isn't funny from an adult yeah, perspective. Some, yeah. Yeah. Like there's objective comedy there, but subjectively it wasn't really kicking for me for a lot of it. Ooh. I know this is a hard question for you, but what did you find funny about it when you were a kid? I I think maybe just as a kid, I found th- most of it funny. I, I think it just worked for me when I was younger. You, you So you just think as a kid, it just as a whole was funny for you. Like, there wasn't, like, you weren't like, oh, I found Sid particularly funny, or I found you. Like, I remember at one point, the Sid has that thing where he's got, like, the two icicles, and he, like, puts it through his neck, like, oh, look, I've uh, I've been impaled by this icicle. Mm. Like, I remember that being, like, a pretty funny visual gag when I was younger, and here it was just like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Maybe we're taking it for granted, because now uh, animation with for children's self has become way more kind of mature, even in its comedy I, um, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, one of the things too that's interesting about it is why is Ice Age kind of swept under the rug? Why has it been left behind in the pantheon of beloved animated movies? Because, yeah, my reaction is kind of the reaction a lot of people may have, which is fucking Ice Age? Like, who gives a shit about Ice Age? But why is that? It was a huge movie. It was a touchstone of our youth. I don't know if it was just for Australians, but it did feel like Ice Age was right up there with 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 the Monsters Inc. or The Incredibles and all those big animated movies that we had around. It was that nominated time. for an Oscar. It got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, best animated feature. Oh, not best picture. Not best picture. No, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. Um. Yeah, what about what do you think it is about this that's been left behind? And maybe you can give us some perspective because you've seen the further installments. Maybe that has something to do with it. I can only speak about what I've seen because of this movie. But what do you think it is that's made Ice Age just kind of left back here? If it is the further installments, there is there is truth to the fact that they do tend to get weaker as they go along. Like, I haven't seen the fifth one. Apparently that one's not very great at all. Um, but, yeah, this film kind of sticks out a lot in, in a lot of ways. Like, this is the only film that has any sort of humans in it. Um, and the, the humans are not referenced in the later films. Like, when you think of this film, the big thing that brings everyone together, the three characters, is the human child who they bonded over and then had to let go of. And will never forget. Um, and they'll never forget. And they'll never forget, but they'll also never reference him. Um, and then, like, the second film, the big thing of that one is that Manny meets, you know, another another mammoth mammoth girl gets together with her in the end and they have a family by the next one and i feel like that family kind of has like a big sort of identity to the ice age franchise like the 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 girl the 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 wife the daughter the 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 wife's two little uh whatever animal they are friends um so when you think of, like, the main Ice Age cast, there are all these, like, new characters that weren't there from the beginning. 
who may not work as well as a lot of aspects from the first film. And maybe maybe people just thinking back kind of equate uh, what Ice Age sort of focuses on more later on with the first film when that's not quite the case. So you're thinking that uh, the, the uh, lesser parts of the further installments uh, have affected the, 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 the whole of the series. Yeah, the, the lesser, more typical aspects. So may, maybe that could be the case. Yeah. Speaking as someone who didn't like Ice Age that much as a child and as someone who hasn't seen those further installments, one of the things I think is the thing is um, it isn't that um, unique of a movie. It kind of does feel like it's uh, rehashing, taking some elements from better movies. The Sabretooth Tigers really reminded me of the hyenas from The Lion King. You have the dominant leader one, your Whoopi Goldberg. You have the crazy one in both of them, and they both have the similar kind of manic crazy energy, and you have just the other one, the Cheech Marin one. Mm. And, uh, you know, you have some of that, and, uh, yeah, that, 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 like I said, that, oh, we're an odd couple, we don't like each other, but at the end of the movie we formed a bond and a family and stuff. And the, oh, the liar revealed kind of thing where you have Diego secretly an asshole leading them into a trap. A lot of those beats have been hit in movies, especially animated children's movies, before and after. And maybe they've just been done better than in this movie. And the animation style, it's aged okay. The, the the character designs are all right. Uh, Sid is hideous to look at, though. Um, mm. He's fucking ugly as shit, and I hate looking at his face. Uh, but, yeah, maybe that's a, that's a part of it, is it just doesn't feel as original as it could, as, as others in the, its, uh, you know, in its field are. Because this does kind of feel like it's, oh, well, Toy Story happened. So, well, what if we did an animated thing, but it's about, um, ooh, the Ice Age? Um, you know, and yeah, there's a few things like that, you know, Toy Story, Shrek, all those kind of things where it's like, ooh, what happens if we did this, but instead we just use this coat of paint instead and see how it goes? Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, and for me, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's fine. And I think. The, during this era, uh, fine being the critique, like being the standard, was not good enough. We wanted more stuff like Pixar and DreamWorks were producing at the time. And maybe that is why it gets left behind, because when you think of the animation of this era, this is subpar in comparison. Yeah, some of the textures in this film, like for the most part I thought it didn't hold up awfully, but yeah, I think some of the... Maybe like the rhino textures, maybe the the rocky textures looked a bit too similar, too smooth. Maybe they could have like dirtied them up a bit, put give them some more mm. edges. Yeah. Yeah. And then... I feel like for a I feel like for a while this film did kind of hold up similar to up the other kind of things that you, you reference, but yeah, maybe given enough time, that's when it stopped being kind of put on mm. on their level. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. 
Um, I don't have much else to say about the actual film. I have some questions to ask you about the further installments, but is there anything more you actually want to say about Ice Age, the film? I guess one thing that was pretty universally loved in the film was Scrat. Yeah, well, what is the appeal of Scrat? Because he's a one-joke character. He's the minions of this movie. Yeah, he was he was the prototype for the minions, I guess, in terms of yeah. mass pop culture appeal. Um, I guess speaking of what you just said there, he had one joke. Um, they were constantly fleshing out that joke and, and doing it in different ways. Maybe not flesh out, but they they were playing around with it a lot. Um, they were upping the stakes a lot, but even then, the stakes were always high. Like when we first see him, he creates you know huge avalanche gl- glaciers almost squish him to death and that's mm. you know the beginning of the film before even the title screen um and then throughout the film we just keep seeing him after dramatic moments uh still trying to achieve his one little b-plot uh goal which is to you know bury an uh, an acorn for hibernation and he affects the actual plot he he leads them and tries to warn them of things and all that like he actually does interact with the actual plot of the movie too yeah, and even going forward into the other films, like they keep up with that exact B plot throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I've never minded Scrat. He's fine. You know, he speaks in gibberish and all of that, which is funny because every other animal speaks in English, but he doesn't. Mm. He speaks in gibberish. And he can play shreds. Oh yeah, that too. But uh, you know, he's fine. Uh, you know, he's he's a, he's the mascot of the series. Hmm. Because he's very simple humor, and that it's the kind of humor like the Minions, where it's universal. It's that silent comedy type of thing. It's the with Scrat, he's the uh, he's the obsessed little creature that's trying to do one thing, but literally everything's getting in his way. And that's what happens in this, and it will happen in the future. So, would you recommend Ice Age? For its dramatic moments or, like, emotional moments, yeah, I would. Um, for kids in general, yeah, I would. Um, but in terms of the full product, you know, there are some, you know, iffy moments there. For if, if, you're not, if you're not the type that would find this kind of thing funny, there would be some parts that drag. But overall, the characters in it, like, their back and forths, even if you don't find them very funny, uh, it has a really genuine feel to it. So, yeah, there is a lot of things... Uh, worth checking out this film for if you haven't already. Mm. Um, mm. So I, I guess overall that's a yes, even though you know, I'm not sound, too into the comedy. You sound pretty yeah. positive on it. I would also rec- say a yes as a recommendation, especially if you do have children, because I think this movie, like as much as I bag out on it, it like it is just generic, but it's not offensively so, and it does do things in a very mature sense. And, yeah, the animation may not hold up as great as as some of its uh, contemporaries or movies of today, but if you have a kid, it's always good to show them a movie like this that's kind of middle of the road, maybe they'll fall in love with it, or maybe it'll help them appreciate some other animated movies like it did for me. Whenever, Whenever I watched Ice Age, it really made me appreciate 
these other animated movies because I'm like, hey, you know what? Like this movie, you know, Ice Age is doing its best, but these movies did it better, and it kind of helps you appreciate the things like that. So you know, as much as I've been ragging on the movie or not giving it as much that that high of a praise, I would recommend it, especially if you do have children, because it does do the beats very nicely, and you know, it's good for young children, I think. But uh. Uh, let's get into the Ice Age franchise. So I'm very curious of a few things, Bartek, that you can hopefully answer. So I'll at the try. end of this film, Scrat is frozen in a block of ice, and it mm-hmm. is twenty thousand years later, and all, and he's like out and about. Um, I know you haven't seen the last movie, so you may not answer this question, but um, is that continuity there? Like, like, do you understand? Like, is that a piece of continuity they're going to keep? Uh, yeah, that's that's a thought that I had when I saw the end of the film too. I guess whatever whatever ends up freezing him hasn't happened yet because he's still out and about, and all the main characters are still alive. I, I don't think they're going to live twenty thousand years. So no, no. But uh, I was curious if in one of the movies he gets frozen in it at the end, and you're like, ah, it's happening. I'm not too sure. If if it happened in the fourth one, I, I I wouldn't really remember. Like the fourth one, I think the big thing of that is that a lot of the planet has ended up becoming just kind of water and ocean. Like there's a like a pirate plot there. Um so the potential is there for that one. Um but yeah, like when I joked earlier in this, like, oh, if you're keeping the Ice Age timeline, like the implication there was like remember to put that at the end if yeah. that is in t- if that's meant to be the end. Uh with the future installments, do they keep all of the s- characters that we have in this movie? Do they keep our central group throughout them all? Yeah, they keep the central three, Sid, Diego, and Manny. They're, they've always got, like, the herd there, so they're like a family that keeps going through adventures. And then, obviously, uh, Manny finds a mate and has children, and they become part of the herd. And also, uh, the Queen Latifah, the mate, um, her... her plot in the second film is that she she doesn't know she's a mammoth she's got like some mental thing going on where she thinks she's um she's got these two friends that are voiced by uh i know one of them stifler i can't remember who the other one is um and they they're these little weaselly skunky looking guys she thinks she's one of them and they stick around for the the rest of the franchise too okay okay um, so are they the same voice actors the whole way through? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I was just curious about that. Um, the character I'm most curious about in the further installments of what they do is is Diego. Because mm. Manny, yeah, I, I remember that too, and it makes sense. Manny becomes, he finally gets over, you know, the loss, and he has a family of his own in the way that we see at the end of this movie, but also, like, he finds a mate and there's more mammoths and all that. And Sid, I can see being like that comic relief character who doesn't really have a major arc. And maybe he, I'll ask you a Sid question, but what happens to Diego? He's kind of the mystery to me. Like, what does his character become in further installments? Because to me, it seems pretty like, well, he's kind of reached his conclusion as a character. I don't know where you go with him. What do they do yeah, with him? He... He reached his conclusion, and also the original script wanted him to stay dead. So, yeah, they'd have to come up with something. Mm. Um, 
for the second and third films, I do not remember in the slightest. I know he's there. I know he engages with the plot, but I don't know what he does. And I remember in the fourth film, he, one of the antagonists, like I said, there's like a pirate plot. Um, and they got all these like crazy animals with them. One of them is like a female saber tooth. So he gets a love interest in the fourth one. Um, so I yeah I I don't remember what he does in the second and third films at all. So you're saying he is probably the most lackluster character in the further installments out of our main yeah, group. Yeah, they 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 blew their load on the first one with Diego. Yeah, I could see that. And Sid, what do they do with Sid? Do they eventually do the old we found his family because that's a setup in this movie? Um I think also in the fourth film he finds his grandmother or something. And I think she sticks with the herd as well. And his grandma's voiced by Wanda Sykes, so she's a bit crazy and stuff. Why did they why did they get fucking Wanda Sykes? I thought you were gonna say like some, you know, fellow Latino actor, you know, like John Leguizamo, but they got a sassy black lady to be his his grandmother. Yeah, yeah just like John Leguizamo. <laughs> So, is that the extent of what you get with his family stuff? Is he just happens to find his grandmother? I think in terms of his family, yeah. I think it's just his grandmother. I'm surprised, because usually with these animated films, that would be a whole movie, right? But Mm. it sounds like the way you're describing it is, it's a happenstance of this pirate plot movie. But... You know, the way it's set up in this, he's abandoned and all that, and you would think that one of the movies in the future, if you're going to make fucking six of them, I'm counting this short, because that's what they said in their fucking wiki page and so on, wouldn't you think that one of the movies would be finding his family and seeing all of Sid's extended family? Wouldn't that be something? That's an idea. Yet they didn't think about it, huh? How Mm. crazy is that? My um, my sister said this, and it really is true, except for one aspect. Is Ice Age the 2000s version of the Land Before Time, that animated series where that first one's very iconic and everyone loves it, but then they made so many sequels afterwards that no one cares about? And it kind mm. of tainted the legacy of Land Before Time? I haven't seen any of those, but I've definitely heard that there are a lot of sequels. Unlike these, though, Land Before Time sequels immediately went straight to VHS, to video, to to DVD. While Ice Age, they remained in theaters. Yep, that's true. And I, you're literally the only person I know on the planet Earth who went to go see the sequels in cinemas, let alone see them. So you were that infatuated with this franchise. I know that. By the fourth one, it was mainly just like a family thing. Like, we, we were like, oh, what can we go see? Oh, there's an Ice Age 4. Should we see that? And we're like, yeah. I know that with the third one, at least, I, saw, I actually did see that with friends. Wow, so you, you dragged others into this. I could not imagine I don't think I dragged them. I think it was a mutual s- thing. What was that? I think it was a mutual thing. I don't think yeah, I Yeah, no, no, them. I don't believe you. I can't imagine dragging my friends to see Ice Age 3 <laughs> when you were, what, like 16? <laughs> was was I six? I can't remember what year it was. But... Nor can I. The last one was the last movie came out. I think in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I know the fourth one was two thousand twelve. I don't remember when, and I think the second one was two thousand four. So it was somewhere between two thousand four and two thousand twelve. 
All right, that's Ice Age, uh, our discussion. That's all I have to ask about the further installments. I can imagine them. Do they eventually... One question. Do they eventually get to that point where they have musical numbers in them? <laughs> I think the second movie does have a uh, food, glorious food number. The classic Oliver song. Okay. Okay, that answers that question. I... Okay, fine, fine, fine. It became one of those, huh? Okay, cool. For the uh, second one, at least. By the second one. It didn't take him too long. All right. One other thing, though. Um, yeah. So last night when I went to watch the film, my brother passed me by and he asked, like, oh, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Ice Age. Um, and he was like, oh, cool. You recommended that? I'm like, yeah. And uh, he told me, oh, okay, okay, that's cool. He And he was, as he was walking away, he said to me, like, oh, you could talk about that meme that happened last year. And I was like, excuse me? What meme? Um... I'm so apparent, apparently, earlier this year, someone on Twitter posted a thing about how much he hates the baby in this movie, or something like that, and how he wants to like kick it or hurt it or something. And okay. it started, yeah, and it apparently started this trend of a bunch of people who also hate the baby and want to kill it or something. And apparently, the main thrust of the meme is editing the baby into perilous situations and but the writing baby doesn't even fucking do anything offensive I'm in not... the movie Every... like when i told my brother that i'd never heard of this like he immediately like turned serious and like emphasized to me like oh it is it is awful it is completely unfunny and like every single sentence he gave me to describe it always ended with like it's terrible it's terrible uh I've never heard... The one meme thing I found of Ice Age, and I remember, was people making jokes that in one of the future installments of the franchise, they f- Scrat gets a love interest? A female oh, Scrat? Yeah, I think one of the B-plots of the sequels has like a recurring femme fatale Scrat character. And it's just funny because their version of the female version is like the typical, oh, she has a fluffier tail and she has eyelashes and lipstick and she has squirrel titties and yeah. stuff like that. And it's just, that was the joke was pictures of the female one just to really <laughs> emphasize how fucking lazy animators truly are when it comes to doing females in movies, especially of animal creatures or whatever. Yeah. It's not like Lion King, the original, where the female characters weren't, like, given lion titties and shit. Oh, God. Oh, well, that's Ice Age. Uh, Pleasure talking about Ice Age. Are you ready to hear my recommendation for next episode? Yeah, is it Ice Age 2? What's the name of Ice Age 2? Uh, the meltdown. Okay, is that the one where it becomes global warming and there's water everywhere? I think it starts, uh, like the, the, the earth starts going in that direction and it's part of the plot, like, I think they have to get out of a certain part of the world because there's going to be the meltdown, I think. My recommendation, Bartek, is, and you're going to be thrilled... Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about a cultural touchstone, a a monumental film that has caused derision in people. We're going to be talking about a Star Wars movie again, The Last Jedi. Okay. You have not seen the movie, but you know of it. <laughs> mm-hmm, I do. And I want to talk about it, because I haven't seen it since the cinema, so... 
It'll be a fun discussion. You having never seen it, me having seen it, but also we're in the aftermath of its own release and the release of Rise of Skywalker. So next episode, we'll talk about Ryan Johnson's divisive film, Star Wars Episode 8. 8? Yeah. Yeah, 8. The Last Jedi. Um, sim- and I similarly asked this question when we did Revenge of the Sith. Should I rewatch Seven? If you want. If I want. I'm I think not... maybe I will. Okay, good. You want to be reminded where Finn was at, yeah? Yeah, I need to. I need to know what I'm meant to walk in with. Okay, walk into your mystery box. No, that we can't. Coronavirus. <laughs> Alright, uh, listening people, you can find us on those social medias of Facebook and Twitter. We post uh, stuff on there for the questions, the links to things, memes, I guess. Bartek's going to be showing us some of those baby memes. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I should, shouldn't I? Um, could you please find the most mean-spirited ones? If your brother could supply some, I really want you to show the mean-spirited ones. <laughs> I'm curious of what those entail. The mean-spirited ones of an already mean-spirited meme? Well, according to your brother. Maybe it started out wholesome and then it got meaner. Who knows? Hmm. Where the guy's like, I hate the baby, I want to kill it. Um, it started out wholesome and then got meaner from there. Uh, I think the Twitter handle of the guy that started it was like, I hate Ice Age 3 or something like that. <laughs> Is it just Alex from I Hate Everything? Secret account? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, listening people, you can also email us at, uh, at spitandpolished at gmail.com with your questions, queries, concerns, and uh, recommendations for movies to cover. Because after next week, after my recommendation, it is the listening people's recommendation. And we have a list of films that have been recommended to us, and we still keep getting recommended movies. So you should recommend one because, hey, you're sitting there at home or wherever, maybe a shallow grave, and you're thinking, when are they going to do the movie that I want them to do? And we may never do it because we don't know that you want us to do it. And we may not do it because we don't know the film or we don't want to talk about it or we may not think that we should talk about it. So there you go. That email, those links, all that stuff in the description of this episode, easy enough for you to find. Or you can just rewind the episode again and just listen to me say it all over again. Uh, Bartek, a pleasurable experience, joyous experience, dare I say uh, a, a thirsty experience, because I'm actually quite thirsty after talking nearly an hour, for about an hour or so, or nearly an hour, about Ice Age. Yeah, yeah, I'm thirsty too. Well, until next time, listening people, remember to to quench your thirst. Cheers, everyone. That's me opening my bottle. That's me drinking. Oh, yeah. Uh.